You're listening to VO Stories, Episode 101. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tina Zaremba, voiceover talent, mentor, and good old-fashioned storyteller. I believe we all have a story to tell. We can all learn from one another. I created this podcast for you, the VO artist who's ready to embrace all that your VO journey has to offer. You'll be inspired, informed, and transformed as you learn from industry experts, VO talents, and my insights from 15 years in the industry, having voiced national commercials to promos and everything in between. Success in voiceovers is more than just a snazzy voice, and this podcast will help show you the way. Thanks for listening. Hi, friends. Well, here we are. Another Thursday, another podcast. VO Stories is ready for you. Okay, so today I have a great conversation with an incredible woman who's not directly in voiceovers, but has made a huge difference in my life. And so I want you to hear from her. Her name is Sarah Von Bargen. She is started off as a blogger. She's a coach. She's a writer. And she's an expert when it comes to creating new habits, especially around our money habits. Without further delay, here's our chat. All right, Sarah Von Bargen, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners where in the world you are today? I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it is 30 degrees, which to your listeners might not sound warm, but in in Minnesota, that's actually a very nice winter day. It totally is. It can get freezing there. Yes. You are known as, to me, as an expert and to many others when it comes to creating habits, especially when it comes to healthy money habits. Mm -hmm. Do you see any common challenges for entrepreneurs, artists when it comes to money? Oh my gosh, yes. Well, I would say the the two, three of the biggest things that I see is when you are a self-employed creative, you have variable income, mm-hmm. um, which is is really hard. It, it can be hard to budget when you're kind of in a feast and famine mode. And also not just like logistically, but also emotionally and psychologically, because it can feel like I'm already in X amount of debt. What does another 20 bucks matter? And also because especially in like the acting world, a lot of people don't have a lot, don't have much money, but then there are a few people who have a ton of money. So the comparisons get in there, the feelings of self-doubt, you know, if I was better, this would be easier, which of course, as we all know, is not true. Like how good somebody is and how much money they're making often have nothing to do with each other. I see a lot of confusing buying a purchase with taking action. We all know that buying a pair of running shoes is not the same as running a marathon. Um, but but for a lot of people, it scratches that itch. We think like, if I buy a better mic, then this will be the thing that unlocks it. Um, if I buy this $2,000 course, that will be the thing that makes a difference. And I'm not going to lie, like a good mic is really important. And understanding how to market yourself is really important. But you have to actually like, record yourself. You have to actually do the things that the course is teaching you to do. If you hire a coach, you have to do what the coach is telling you to do. Yeah. You know, you bring up a really good point because there's so many different areas for a voiceover artist to invest in for their business to grow. Mm -hmm. But you know, that you could spend so much money on conferences, on microphones, on classes, on demos. How do you allocate responsibly? Well, I would say the first thing that you need to do is 
look at your expenses and see where you're at and also look at your past purchases and be honest with yourself about some of those past purchases. Because if you have purchased three other microphones, a fourth microphone is probably not going to be the thing that makes the difference. So don't buy the fourth microphone. If you have purchased a bunch of other classes about self-promotion and marketing and you haven't completed them, buying another one it is is unlikely to like unlock success for you. So I would say look at previous purchases that you've made that you didn't maybe take action on. Mm-hmm. Or like if you have already purchased, if you purchased consulting or coaching and you know they recorded the call and you didn't take action on it, why don't you like go watch that call before you book with another coach or consultant? If you bought a course about self-promotion and you didn't complete it, instead of buying another one, go back and complete the one that you already bought. Before you buy anything, look at your past purchases. Yeah, use what you have and look at your past purchases. I would also, I'm a huge fan of how far can you get by Googling? How far can you get by watching YouTube videos? Oh my gosh, yes. And I am somebody who sells online courses and does coaching. And, you know, I sure appreciate it when people hire me, but I'm also somebody who wants people to save money. So I would really like, how far can you get by reading some blog posts and taking action on those blog posts. There is absolutely a time and a place to spend money on courses and coaches and conferences and equipment. But I would say, give yourself a time period. Like for one month, I'm just going to you know, implement all the things that I honestly already know I should be doing. For two months, I'm going to go back through all the resources that I've already purchased and see how far I can get with that. I mean, honestly, for the vast majority of us, we've spent hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on things that we're not using. So why don't we try and use that stuff (laughs) before we spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on more things we're not going to use? So here's a question for you. I've heard you're a coach and I I absolutely adore you. I've worked with you. I work with you. Um, Part of the reason why I wanted to have you on is you made a huge difference in my life, which Hmm. in turn affects my career. I've heard some coaches though, not you, but some coaches say, live from the place that you want to be. And (sighs) there is, uh, okay. So I have a lot, I have a lot of feelings about (laughs) uh, manifestation, et cetera, et cetera. And I do think there is power and wisdom in thinking positive, having a really clear view of what you want for yourself and working towards that and not like nickel and diming yourself and burning yourself doing, burning yourself out doing like $5 tasks all day when you could be doing, you know, $1,000 task. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, absolutely there is wisdom in that, but I think the best metaphor that I could sort of give, a friend of mine has a post-it on her on her next word desk, it says, how would a woman who makes a million dollars behave? Mm, and, and the thing is, I think what's important in that post-it is not a woman who makes a million dollars buys Louis Vuitton purses. A woman who makes a million dollars is like aiming for the fences. You know, she is working really hard. She's having tough conversations. She's making herself uncomfortable. She's putting herself out there. She's trying again and again and again to go after what she wants. So I think the reality is if you want to be, you know, incredibly successful, you have to do hard things. So if, you know, like, yes, make choices from where you want to be, but also understand that where you want to be includes a lot of 
tough stuff, which is good and important. And you should make those, you know, hard choices and do those hard things. But it's not just about like, I wish I made a million dollars and therefore I buy luxury sheets. It's Mm -hmm. also about the other stuff that you have to do in order to get there, which is basically be uncomfortable over and over and over again. Yeah. I think that we look at something on the outside, whether it's through Instagram or on the socials, and we get a, an idea in our head as to what who that person is, and we want to be that. And so it's very superficial. It's a veneer. And mm-hmm. we don't see what's really gone into cultivating that career or maybe that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I think a good rule of thumb, when you see that somebody has something that you want and assuming it's something that they got themselves, they didn't get it through a partner or, you know, Mm -hmm. family connections. You kind of have to ask yourself, would I be willing to do what they had to do in order to get what they got? Because, and especially in the creative industry, I mean, you know, there, you know, of course there is some networking and there is some nepotism, but a lot of it is just auditioning over and over and over again and being rejected and continuing to audition it's pitching yourself. It is creating products that might not sell. It's having unsuccessful launches. And so pretty much everybody who you admire who is quote unquote successful has been failing repeatedly for years. I want to go back to the variable income that we talked about where, you know, many voiceover artists, they either are working another job or they've left that corporate job and myself included, I had this mindset for a long time. There's a difference between having an employee mindset Mm -hmm. and let's say an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. mindset. And how do you advise folks, whether they're an artist or an entrepreneur, as to how to handle a variable income? Okay, gosh. Well, so I have a bunch of suggestions, some of which are very like logistic and some are more sort of emotional, psychological. Um, But I would say one of the best things you can do, so there are a lot of different ways you can budget, but there's a very specific type of budgeting called zero-based budgeting, which is specifically for people who have variable incomes. And it is, it helps you budget with the money you currently have, not the money you're going to get when that check comes in, because I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble. You know, if, and even people who don't have variable incomes, they make bad choices because they know they've got another paycheck coming on the 15th or they make bad choices because they know they've got that royalty check coming. But, you know, of course, as we all know, also like there are plenty of clients who don't pay on time. There are plenty of clients who don't pay at all. Mm -hmm. And so you want to start by budgeting the money that you actually have. So again, if you just Google zero based budgets, it's a specific style of budgeting. And it also really helps you. um, It helps you budget for quote unquote, unexpected expenses. Although of course, you know, we all know that at some point we're going to have to pay for car repairs. We all know that at some point, you know, we have to get haircuts, but it helps you budget for that stuff on a monthly basis. So it's not a surprise when it comes up. So A, zero-based budgeting. B, and this is incredibly basic, but a lot of people struggle with it, is really have a, have a really good grasp on how much money you need to make every month to cover your expenses which again, sounds obvious, but a lot of people couldn't tell you that number. So uh, add up all your bills, add up your rent, add up how much you spend on groceries and know that you need to make that much every month. And also be aware of how much you're bringing in every month. And of course, 
you know, if you have variable income, it's not always super easy, but if you know, I need to make $2,000 a month to not go into debt. And it is now the 21st and I have only made $700. Most of us, especially creatives, most of us have stuff in our back pocket that maybe it's not, you know, maybe that, that voiceover for, you know, a prescription medicine isn't so sexy, but we know that we could do it. Maybe driving Lyft, maybe, you know, calling up the old client who's kind of a pain in the butt. Most of us have stuff in our back pocket that we can do to bring in more money, especially when you're self-employed. So I think just having a hard number that you know you need to meet and also being aware of like where you are in the month in terms of how much you've brought in. Because I, I don't want anybody to have credit card debt. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the best ways to avoid that is just by knowing those numbers. So you encourage your clients to go through how much they've spent in the last month, like going through their bank statement or their credit card statement? Yes. Yeah. And if you had like a month where things seemed like, oh, you know, I didn't really go out that much and there were no birthdays and I didn't travel, you know, go through multiple months so you can kind of find an average. The other thing that I would suggest people do, and whenever I tell people this, they're so resistant, but oh my gosh, I really encourage you to do it, is while you're looking through that stuff, look at those expenses. I have a method that I call the three highlighter method. Hmm. Print out your credit card statement and your bank statement. Get three highlighters, green, yellow, and pink. Go through your statements. And if a purchase brought you joy, if it added to your life, highlight it green. If it's a non-negotiable expense like groceries or rent, that is a yellow. And if it's a regrettable expense or you don't recognize it or you don't remember it, then it's pink. And then add up all of those categories. I would also say this exercise is very uh, emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is honestly, it's pretty normal to have a really emotional response to those numbers that you see. And I also just want to tell your listeners, if they go through this exercise, whatever numbers you get, you are not the first person to get those numbers. I have had people do this exercise and realize that they were spending $15,000 a year eating out. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever number you come up with, you're not the first person to, to come up with that. So give yourself a little bit of grace because now, now, you know, you have that information and you can move forward realizing like, wow, I, I say that I don't have any money, but clearly every month I spend $400 on things I don't need. So, and I think one of the reasons this is so powerful is if my doctor said, Sarah, you cannot eat green peppers anymore. You have to remove those from your diet. I would be like, great. I don't like them anyway. All of those expenses, those regrettable purchases, they are adding nothing to your life. You literally don't remember making them or enjoy purchasing them. If you stopped buying those things, it would not reduce the quality of your life at all. Yeah. I think that sometimes we go on autopilot and there's oh, not a sense of conscious spending. And I can speak to that as well. I mean, being here in New York, I kind of chuckled in my head where you were saying 2,000 a month. I was like, oh, Sarah, try 2,000 a week we need. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I always want to give people some grace with is that especially if you are on Instagram, if you live in San Francisco or New York or London or Tokyo, honestly, your life is a lot harder than somebody who lives in Minneapolis or Ohio or a small town in Wyoming. And so, you know, we find ourselves, especially when you're scrolling Instagram and you don't immediate and you don't, you can't see where these people live. You just see a beautiful photo. You don't know, you don't immediately recognize that woman in that cute outfit in that beautiful home 
lives in like rural West Virginia and her house costs $80,000. Like that's not immediately obvious. So if you are living in a place with a really high cost of living, I also just want you to give yourself some grace and also be aware when you're scrolling that a lot of these people that you're seeing, their lives cost literally half or a third of what yours do. That said, you... I know because I did a little bit of research and was listening to other podcasts that you were on. You really increased your income as a freelancer and as an entrepreneur. Were there certain steps that you took that got you to that quarter of a million dollars? (laughs) Yes. Well, and I should also say that is not my yearly income. That's from my, so I used to be an ESL teacher at a nonprofit. You guys can just, I made $34,000 a year with a master's degree. Wow. Um, and so the your master's degree probably costs more than what yes, you're making. Yes. And so if I had stayed in, if I had stayed in the nonprofit world versus what I make now, and I don't even know the number now because that, that quarter million dollars was several years ago, I would say developing a daily writing habit, which allowed me to become self-employed and a blogger and a writer and a coach, my daily writing habit, I would say if I put a number on it would probably be almost worth like $400,000, Wow! which is, and I think anyone who listening to, is listening to this, maybe you don't have, maybe your writing habit is not the one that's going to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, but sending a pitch email every morning, sending a networking email every morning, practicing voiceovers every morning, posting on social media, in Instagram stories every morning. There, I promise whoever is listening to this, whatever your career is, there is a daily habit that you can develop that is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't think it's fixating on, am I picking the right daily habit? I honestly feel at least for me and the growth that I've had in my career, it's just picking one or two things, sticking with it and being consistent. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that something that so many of us do, especially creative folks is we think that there is some secret trick or some solution, some really complicated solution or tactic that will unlock success for us. And again, like there are, you know, strategic things that I've done, like within my email list using trigger links and, you know, like embedding this sort of thing and using this font and my pinnable images. Like there are certain tactics like that that are really helpful, but honestly just, you know, developing a a professional network that you maintain, talking about what you do publicly and frequently, posting regularly to demonstrate your expertise, just the basic things that we all know we should be doing and most of us are not doing. Honestly, that's like the big secret. Like yeah, work hard, be nice to people, show up on time, talk about what you do publicly and repeatedly. (laughs) Like that's, and if you just do those things and make a habit of them, you are a lot more likely to find success. Amen. It's just so simple. It seems like it should be harder or more complicated. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think the thing is, is that it's when we admit to ourselves or when we try these simple things and, and they work, it's kind of scary or hard because we kind of have to admit to ourselves like, oh, all that time I wasted you know, obsessively researching hashtags, you know, like that was kind of a waste of time. (laughs) Mine was how to do Instagram stories. (laughs) Oh yes. Yeah. 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 And so we have to, when, when the answer is simple, 
we kind of are forced to acknowledge to ourselves like, oh, what was holding myself up was me. Because it's much easier to believe if I just figure out hashtags, if I just get a professional photographer to take my Instagram photos, if I just try a seventh different type of budgeting (laughs) software, that's going to be the thing. Instead of really looking into ourselves and our motivation and the things that we do on a day-to-day basis and the way that we get in our own way. Word. All right. You have an awesome program called Bank Boost. Talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Yes. So Bank Boost is my, it's a live program. So it's not self-paced. It's six weeks. And during that six weeks, we all together as a group focus on earning more money, keeping more money, and still enjoying our lives while we do this. So it's sort of like a six-week sprint where we all get outside of our comfort zones to bring in more money. We rescue money that's sort of like wandered off and wayward that deserves to come back to us. And we also focus on doing uncomfortable things to bring in more money and making for sure that we're still finding ways to have fun, see our friends, feel the way we want to feel because deprivation and rice and beans and library DVDs are are a recipe for overspending. <laughs> and how can folks learn more about the program? You can check out my website, which is West, which is yesandyes.org, or you can follow me on Instagram at yesandyesblog. I'm on Instagram stories every single day. I love talking in my DMs. I love chatting with people. So I would say follow me on Instagram and then watch my stories is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. And I'm excited. I'm going to be a part of the Bank Boost program Yes, I think you'll love it. I'm excited about it. All right. Last question. What are three easy tips or practices you'd offer to my listeners when it comes to living on a budget? Well, I would say try that highlighter exercise that I talked about. Another one I would say is get in the habit of steering social engagements towards cheap or free things. So like when your text chain of friends, you know, starts talking about like, oh, we haven't seen each other in so long. Let's hang out before they're already like talking about and emotionally committed to going like out for $17 cocktails into a really expensive restaurant. You be the one to jump in and say, you know what? I just got a new recipe book. I've been dying to try it. Why don't y'all come over? I'm going to cook you dinner and we can watch cheer on Netflix or something like that. So it's, it's hard to stop a moving train, but before somebody suggests something that's really expensive, you be the one to suggest something that is cheaper or free. And also, honestly, 90% of the times your friends just want to hang out. And I mean, 90% of the time, most people would prefer to spend less money rather than more. So if you say, let's get coffee and walk around the park, most people are going to be totally into that. It's rare. They're going to be like, you know what? I would prefer to spend $40 on a pasta dish at a restaurant where we have to, you know, wait for a table for 20 minutes. Most people are very happy to spend less money. So the highlighter exercise, take initiative to um, suggest cheaper things. And number three, and this is a little bit more uh, emotional, psychological, Mm -hmm. but figure out what actually makes you happy. There is, um, I have a free workbook. I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. I have a free workbook called how to figure out what makes you happy. Um, because a lot of us spend a lot of money on things that don't actually add to our lives. And if you can figure out what actually makes you happy, which is surprisingly hard for a lot of people, you can put more time, money, and energy into that and less time, money, and energy into buying things you don't need, you don't like, and that don't, add to your life and that you end up 
donating and feeling bad about. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Sending that link. Again, your website is yesandyes.org. Awesome. (laughs) Sarah Von Bargen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. Is she not lovely or what? Check out Sarah Von Bargen's site. Again, that's yesandyes.org. As I mentioned in our interview, I'm going to be participating in Sarah's Bank Boost course. And I can honestly say that I have seen a huge shift in my mindset and my habits from working with Sarah. So no affiliate here, just sincere recommendation to check out her course, her site, and um, hopefully you too can get a chance to work with her. All right, join me next week when we're going to be in a new month. So it's going to be a new theme all about tech. Until then, here's to owning our voices. 